Good morning, everyone. Man, it is so good to be back in the 930 service. I've not been in this service live since January as we started our Summit Christian Academy kind of service over there. So for those of you who've been watching video teaching for the last month and a half, thank you for being on mission with us as more of our church is coming back and we're getting back to what we used to be, which is three services here, two at a school down the street. Um, We know every Sunday we're a little closer to moving in the building. I don't know about you. I'm ready. I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. But it's good to be back in the house today. Matthew 5 is where we're hanging out in Scripture today. If you have a Bible or maybe an app where you can download the Bible or Scripture, pull your notes out of your journal. We are in message number 8 of this series, Chasing Perfection. We're in message number 18 of Matthew chapter 5. And we are working our way in two weeks to the last verse of the series, which is the theme verse of this series, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus says, if you want to connect to God like I am connected to God, here's all you have to do. Just be as perfect as I am. And we would say, that is impossible. And Jesus would say, that is the point. That's the whole premise of this series, to know that if we want to connect to God, we have to not only live like Jesus, we have to depend on Jesus. We have to be close to Jesus. We have to take his teaching and his life and his spirit and try as much as we can to multiply that and reproduce it in our lives. Everybody say, Jesus. We need Jesus to connect to God. We need Jesus to be like Jesus. And we need Jesus in the world that we live in to learn how to deal with people that are sometimes difficult to deal with. So we've been in Matthew chapter 5 for 18 weeks in a series called Chasing Perfection for 8. The last four of those, we talked about Jesus and marriage because as Jesus taught us how to connect to God, he used the metaphor of marriage. The last three weeks, we're going to be in a little focus that we're just calling Jesus and difficult people because Jesus talks to us about how we live and look like him in a world filled with difficult people. I don't know if you know a difficult person. If you're sitting beside him, don't look at him because that was awkward last week. One of our men came to me last week and said, my wife, when you said you were doing three weeks on Jesus and difficult people, she said that she needed a year um, to learn how to deal with me, not a week. So maybe you know a difficult person. Maybe you are a difficult person, but we're going to learn to, we're going to listen to Jesus teach us how to not only live in relationship with difficult people, but love them like he loves us. We're going to take three weeks in this series. Here's the goals of today. Here's what we want to do. Number one, we want to look at the primary problem behind contentious relationships. How do you live in relationship with somebody that you have a hard time trusting because they violated your trust? That's, that's the title of our Bible study today, when they can't be trusted. How do you live in a relationship with someone who's proven that they cannot be trusted because they do not carry your heart carefully? How do you live in relationship with somebody um, who you're always waiting on the other shoe to drop, somebody you can't ever let your guard down with? How do you live in relationship with difficult people? And then number two, we're going to learn how to acknowledge what is true while living through what is real. So what do you mean by that? We're going to learn today that God is in control. That's true. We're also going to learn that our world is terribly broken. That's real. Like, how can we believe that God is in control when so many things seem to be out of control? How do we balance the tension between what we know to be true, what the Bible says, and what we're experiencing in life? That's our goal today as we dig into Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Before we ever open God's word together, we always ask God to open our hearts. Would you just bow your heads with me quickly, and let's just speak a little prayer to God that he would open our heart. Two things I'd like you to pray. First, take a deep breath. Let's settle our spirits into this room. 
for this message. And first prayer, prayer of confession. If there's anything on your heart that would keep you from hearing God's voice today, just confess it. Something you did that you should not have done, ask God to forgive you. Something you committed to do that you did not follow through on, ask God to forgive you. And then once your heart is clear, ask God to speak to it this morning and tell him you'll listen. God, those are our prayers that you would clean our hearts so you'd prepare them to receive. And today we pray you teach us how to live like Jesus in our relationships with difficult people. And Lord, let our lives bring honor to you as we do that. That's our prayer. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name today. And everyone said, amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37 say this. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all either by heaven for it's God's throne or by the earth for it's his footstool or by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. And don't swear on your head for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. How do you deal with difficult people in a broken world? That's what we're going to try to take three weeks to focus on. How do you deal with difficult people in a broken world. First question we want to ask is, why deal with them at all? Why is it even, why is it even necessary? 18 messages ago, we opened our Bibles together to, to Matthew 5, for those of you who were here in October, and we saw Jesus kind of invite a group of people to live life his way of life. We did a series called The Way of Jesus, and we heard Jesus say, I want you not just to follow me, but I want you to be like me, and we've learned in the last 18 messages, what it means to not just love Jesus, but to live like Jesus. And I believe now, maybe, maybe more important now than ever before, Christians need to live like Jesus if they're going to claim him. And that has been a problem. Will Durant is a historian who studied major civilizations of the world. He studied the most important influential figures in history and the movements that they created. And he said, Jesus undoubtedly stands out above all others as having the most powerful and permanent influence on the thought of mankind. However, his teachings have not had a corresponding effect on man's actions. Everyone loves to study what Jesus says. Not everyone likes to do what Jesus says to do. Not everyone wants to live like Jesus lived. So we started our series with this quote saying, it's important that we not just learn the teachings of Jesus, but that we live the life of Jesus. So he taught us for eight weeks in a series on the Beatitudes that our spirit has to be different from the spirit of the world. And then he warned us that if our spirit became different from the spirit of the world, that a lot of the world would hate us. Because he said they hate the light that comes from the Son of God. He said, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. There's a lot of people who hate the light. So you're going to have to learn to understand that and live through that and move through that. And most recently in this series, God has been telling us, if you want to change your actions, you have to figure out the attitude behind the action because every bad habit starts in a bad heart. So Jesus is saying, if I can change your heart, I can change your actions. If I can change your actions, I can change your life and the world will see me in you. So we've been learning how to change our hearts and part of what our hearts need some teaching on apparently is how to deal with difficult people. How to deal with difficult people in a way that honors Jesus. Maybe even how to deal with difficult people in a way that allows them to see Jesus in us. We're going to look at three things today 
as we begin kind of this three-week journey. We're going to look at a difficult problem, difficult people, and a difficult trust. Let's start, number one, with a difficult problem. We, we have a problem living like Jesus because we, have, we, we, we find ourselves in a world that is so unlike Jesus. Pastor John MacArthur, speaking of this text, says our whole society is largely built on a network of fabrication, of manufactured truth. We shade the truth. We cheat. We exaggerate. We misrepresent. We make promises we have no intention of keeping. We make up excuses and betray confidence. All is a matter of normal, everyday living. Like the problem we have trying to live for Jesus is that's not the way our world works. Most people don't live for Jesus. The problem we have trying to be honest people filled with integrity as we live in a world that is not filled with honest people or integrity, and we live in a world that doesn't even really require it to be successful and happy. MacArthur said, like, part of everyday life is just cheating people to get ahead. We live in a world that can't be trusted. But Jesus says his followers should be. So he says in Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said long ago to the people, don't break your oath but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. This verse is going to get to the root of integrity before God, that you have integrity and you live honest. But it's also going to get to the root of integrity with others, and it's going to force us to ask an interesting question that shouldn't need to be asked. Can you have integrity with God if you don't have integrity with people? Can you have integrity with God? Can you be right before God if you are, if you are not right before people? So this verse is going to tell us, man, when it comes to God, have integrity. But then throughout this text, Jesus is going to say, your integrity with me will boil over to other people. You see, 3,500 years ago, God brought a group of slaves out of the nation of Egypt. They were a very large family that was known as the people of Israel. They were a Hebrew people. And on the first day of the third month, 60 days after they left Egypt, Exodus 19 says, 60 days after they left Egypt, they get to a mountain in the desert called Mount Sinai, and God comes down and he meets with them there for nearly three months at Mount Sinai. And he basically says, I'm taking you to a promised land because I have a purpose for you. And the purpose is that you would show the world me. But for the world to see me, the world is going to have to see different. So you are going to be a very special people. You're going to be a holy people. The word holy means set apart. I'm going to take you from one place, put you in another place. You're going to look different. You're going to act different. And your actions are going to show the world my character. And he gives gives his people the Ten Commandments, what are known as the Ten Commandments. Two of those have to deal with integrity. One of them, integrity with people. One of them, integrity with God. We know the Ninth Commandment. That's integrity with people. Exodus 20, 16, you shall not give a false testimony against your neighbor. Like people should be able to trust you. If you're a follower of mine, people should be able to trust you. That's integrity with people. The third commandment is integrity with God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This this commandment is not about putting God's name in front of a cuss word. This commandment is about putting God's name in front of truth and trust. It's saying, I swear to God this, and then this is not true. He said, don't use my name for your lies. That would be using my name in vain. And then Moses, when he summarized this law, would in Leviticus 19.12, 
Give the verse that Jesus is teaching on today in Matthew chapter 5. Don't swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, about 1,500 years before Jesus was teaching this in Leviticus 19.12, like, if you're going to swear to God, you better keep it because that's not going to make you look bad. That's going to make God look bad. Jesus is going to say, you shouldn't have to swear to God at all. But the people of Israel at the time of Jesus' ministry and teaching would say this, if you swear to God, you better keep it because now you're not accountable to people. You are accountable to God. Now, God was really concerned with his people having an ethic of honesty. God said, my people are to have an ethic of honesty. My people are to have an ethic of integrity for two reasons. Number one, it honors God. Number two, it honors others. So if you as a follower of Jesus are known for anything, it should be your honesty and your integrity because honesty honors God and honesty honors others. But this would have been new for the people of Israel. And I'll be, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm saying that word a lot. Um, if you're pretty new to Christianity, this is new for you. Because like you heard Pastor MacArthur say, this, this is not the way the world works. This is not the way you have to work. This is not the way Israel worked. So honesty, honesty brings honor to God. Honesty brings honor to others. But all ten of the commandments were things that the Israelites used to do that they weren't supposed to do anymore. So don't, God could have said at the end of every commandment, anymore. He would say to them, you came from a place in Egypt that did all these things. You're going to a place in Canaan that does all these things. You, in your old life, you used to do these things. In your new life, they will be doing these things. But in your life with me, I don't want you to do these things. Where you came from lived in dishonesty. Where you're going lives in dishonesty. But you are a follower of mine, so I want you to be honest. Egypt is dishonest. Canaan is dishonest. But you are a follower of mine, so I want you to be honest. Because that'll make you different. That'll make you stand out. Dishonesty is a part of your old life. Dishonesty is a part of the world that you're going into but it doesn't have to be a part of your soul. But Jesus knew this would be difficult. That's why in John chapter 17, when he was praying right before he was crucified and he was praying for all the believers who would would ever follow him, he he asked God to protect him because he said, they're not of the world even as I am not of it. God, the world is one way. They're different. So you got to help them. The world does things one way. Followers of Jesus do things different way. So so you got to help them. Because it's got to be about more than rules. We know God wants us to have an ethic of honesty because honesty honors God and honesty honors others. That's that's the rule. Here's the reality. We live in a culture where honesty is valued. Unless it's not personally valuable, then then maybe we don't need it. We want it. Don't get me wrong. Every one of us values honesty. Just not all of us are willing to be honest if it's not personally valuable. Like our word is our bond, unless it puts us in bondage, and then we might break it. Like we treat others the way we want to be treated, unless the way they have treated us is hurt so bad that we decide to treat them in the exact same way to teach them a lesson. Like honesty is valued. We all certainly want it. We desire it. But it's only as valuable to us as it works to accomplish what we want. We said today one of the primary goals was to 
kind of learn the underlying problem behind contentious relationships. Here's the underlying problem behind contentious relationships. Everybody's out for themselves, including most followers of Jesus. At the end of, a, at the, end of the day, we're looking out for number one. And honesty as a follower of Jesus is valued highly. But if it's not valued, not valuable to us, maybe we'll think about breaking it. So Jesus said there's a problem. There was a problem in the world of Israel when God gave them this command. Egypt was dishonest. Canaan was dishonest. They were moving from one to the other. And God said, I want you to be honest, but that's going to be hard. And now Jesus is stepping into a world and he's talking about this same difficult problem and he's talking to some really difficult people. So who was Jesus talking to 2,000 years ago? He was talking to a group of spiritual leaders. They were known as Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and teachers of the law. They were people who kind of taught spiritually what was supposed to be followed in Israel. And here was the problem Jesus was addressing. To get into a lot of context of 2,000 years ago, Jesus' teaching was rebuking a brilliant strategy that they'd come up with to be spiritually dishonest. The teachers of the law, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees had learned kind of a, a loophole in things that God wanted you to do. Remember Leviticus 19, 12. If you're going to swear to God, you better do it. If you're going to swear to God, you better do it. So the teachers of the law had figured out how to swear to things that sounded like God, but in a religious court of law, they could not be upheld because it wasn't swearing to God. You say, what were those things? Jesus mentioned all of them. You can go back in Jewish literature and read them. Jesus said, you've been heard. If you're going to swear to God, you better keep it. But I say, you shouldn't even have to swear to God. Don't swear an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for it's God's throne. Don't swear by earth, for it's his footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And don't swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. See, the Jewish leaders... And they were intent on following the law. They all wanted to follow the third commandment. They just figured out how to get around it. Leviticus 19, 12. If you're going to swear to God, you better keep it. But if you can figure out how to swear to things that sound like God, and it's more valuable for you not to keep your word than to keep your word, you're allowed to break that vow. This is the system that they had built in Israel. And Jesus called out the system of the day. He said, you tell people, if you're going to swear to God, you better keep it. But if you swear by heaven, it's God's throne, and it's not valuable to keep that, you're like, well, I didn't really swear to God. I just swear to God's throne. That wasn't God himself. Gotcha. Don't have to keep that one. If you swear to God, you've got to keep it. But if you swear to earth, which is God's footstool, still sounds spiritual, sounds like maybe God hears it, but swearing by earth is not swearing to God himself. Gotcha. Don't have to keep that. Like if it becomes more valuable to me not to keep that oath, don't have to keep it. You swear into Jerusalem. If you swear to God, you better keep it. But if you swear to God's great city, Jerusalem, well, that's not God himself, and it becomes more valuable to go back on your word. Gotcha. No big deal, because you didn't swear to God. You swear by your head. Basically, I swear on my life, because you're created in God's image. But that's not swearing on God himself. Gotcha. So the religious leaders have basically said, if you swear to God, you got to keep it. But like if you swear to other things that convince people you're really serious spiritually and you need to go back on your word. That's okay. And Jesus said, that's not okay because that's not honest and that's not integrity. 
You say, what kind of people would come up with this crazy system of integrity? We call them church folks today. We call them Christians. We, we call them people who've got this desire to like really honor God in their spiritual life, but in their work life, in their business life, in their day-to-day life, they're, they're okay dishonoring people from time to time if it helps them get ahead. See, the Jews of Jesus, they thought they could honor God while intentionally dishonoring people at the exact same time. We all know people of faith like this. This is their ethic. And Jesus said, this is not the way to live life. You cannot honor me while dishonoring somebody at the same time, even if you've kind of figured out a workaround that's valuable to you. Now, those of us who are followers of Jesus think, of course. Like, of course you can't honor God while dishonoring people. Like, Jesus shouldn't have to teach this. Jesus shouldn't have to tell you, you You can't honor God and dishonor people at the same time. But he is going to have to teach us to live among people who are willing to dishonor you in order to get ahead in life. And that's what we're going to study over this three weeks, starting today and getting into the next two weeks. How do you live among people who will disadvantage you to advantage themselves? How do you have relationships with people who can't be trusted? How do you have relationships with people who are only honest as long as it's valuable to them. How do you do that? We're going to learn that as we kind of walk through the next three weeks, but we're going to start today by giving this very honest answer. It's going to be really hard. How do you honor and live in relationships with difficult people? Honest answer, it's really hard. It takes trust, but that's a really difficult trust. And Jesus is going to teach us in today's text that there are two things, like there's two things you have to trust spiritually, neither of them are easy, neither neither of them are fun to embrace, but they're both true. They're both things that we can trust. What does Jesus say? Matthew 5, 36 and 37. Don't swear by your head for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Clearly, this is before they created the products that did that. So maybe Jesus today would have used a better metaphor. Um, You can like, but I think he's naturally saying like, you can't just wish that your hair would change color. Um, Don't swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Jesus is teaching two parts of trust in this verse. Both of them, I think, are difficult to absorb, but I think the longer we think about them, we think that's true. Um, I don't like it, but that's true. The first part of Jesus' teaching is to the one swearing the oath. And he's saying this, listen, stop that, because you are ultimately not in control. You are are not in control of what happens to your life. We would like to think that we are, and I think we have more comfort believing this, but it's not true. I mean, the way Jesus does it is, is brilliant, because he starts with things we would agree on. Don't swear by heaven. You're not in control of anything in heaven, and it's like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't, shouldn't leverage heaven, not mine to leverage. And Jesus says, and don't swear by the earth. Like, you're not in control of everything that happens on earth. And it's like, you're right. Sh- shouldn't leverage earth is not mine to leverage. And you shouldn't swear by Jerusalem because, like, you, you are not in control of one thing that happens in God's great city. And you're like, you're right. I shouldn't leverage Jerusalem. And Jesus says, don't swear on your life because you are not in control of your life. I mean, we would like to think that we are, 
But the reality is, as we drive home from work today, as we drive home from church today, none of us is in control of any car that's heading towards us. None of us is in control of any car that's heading behind us. Very few of us had any control over the genetic things we were born with that create heart disease or diabetes. Like, it's not comfortable to state, but it's true. We're not in control. And Jesus said, the only way you're going to learn to be who I've created you to be and the only way you're going to really learn how to live and move like me through life is to surrender this thought that you have any kind of control at all. That's why it's crazy in the past year. You've seen people who've basically hibernated in a hazmat suit who get COVID. And you see people who live life out and about with nothing and they don't. And it's like, how does that happen? I thought... I could control my environment. You know that's not true. It's difficult to hear. It's difficult to trust. But it's true. So Jesus says to the one swearing to God, swearing on their life, stop it. You can't even change your hair color by yourself. Quit acting like you're in control of everything. Learn to trust God. Because the second part of his teaching is to the one who's receiving the oath. And he's saying, regardless of what somebody promises you, God's the one who's ultimately in control. And you got to trust him. Regardless of what someone promises you, regardless of what they sign, regardless of what they pledge, regardless of what they mean, ultimately, God is in control and you can trust him. So if someone swears by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or even their own life, the only person in control of all those things is God. He's also in control of your life, and he's good. It's difficult to trust that sometimes because what is true doesn't seem real. But God is in control, and God is real, and God is everywhere. Jewish people knew this. One of their favorite scriptures that they recite to this day, Psalm 139, David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. So the Jews of Jesus' day would say, if I don't swear to God, he doesn't even hear it. And Jesus says, God's everywhere. You don't have to use the right spiritual equation for God to hear you. And as a matter of fact, for you to think that you don't have to have integrity unless you swear to God tells you you don't even understand the spiritual equation for integrity because God is everywhere. Go to heaven, he's there. Descend to the depths, he's there. Go east or west, he's there. On the darkest night of your life, he's there. Like for you to think you only have to have integrity if you invite God into the room tells you you don't understand God because he's already in the room and you're accountable to him all of Jesus' teaching is reminding all of God's people that they're accountable to God for all things, not just the things they swear to God. God is in control, but we are accountable. Matthew 12, 36 says this. Some of you need to reflect on your past week as you hear this verse, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. Everything you said this week, God has heard. 
And God says, on the last day, you'll either give an account for it or the things that you give to God in repentance and you ask God to forgive, Jesus goes ahead and pays the consequences of those on the cross. But we are accountable. I love what Dr. William Barclay, who's a scholar from several decades ago, says about the Jews thinking that they only had to be accountable to God in spiritual things. He said, no man can keep God out of any transaction. God's already there. Life can't be divided into compartments in, which, in some of which God is involved and in others of which he's not involved. The fact is that God does not need to be invited into certain departments of life and kept out of others. He's everywhere, all through life and every activity of life. He hears not only the words which are spoken in his name, he hears them all. And there cannot be any such thing as a form of words which evades bringing God into a transaction. So we learn this real difficult trust that we are not in control, that God is, but that we are accountable. You say, what about others? What about the people making my life really, really hard? Are they accountable too? Because today we're learning what's true and what's real. What's true is we're not in control. I think we would all say, I don't like that, but I believe that. God is in control. It's hard for me to believe that, but if that's what the Bible says, I'll trust it. I'm accountable. I think even most followers of Jesus would say, okay, I'll be accountable. But what about those I can't trust? What about those who have hurt me? How do I live in relationship with people taking advantage of me? How do I live in relationship with people taking advantage of others? How do I live in relationship with dishonest people? We're going to talk about that the next two weeks, but we're going to start today with seven, what I would call spiritual concepts that lay the foundation. If these are not the foundation stone of your belief for what it takes to live in relationship with difficult people, then it will be a real hard time for you to build a spiritual house around this. Seven things, sovereignty. Sovereignty means God is in control. That sometimes is a very difficult concept to trust, but it's true. And usually 10, 20, 30 years into the future, you look back and you realize God was in control the entire time and you had nothing to fear. Number two, grace. Grace is that thing that Jesus gives us. Grace is treating people like they get it right even when they get it wrong. Grace remembers people are broken. If you are unwilling to have grace in your relationships, you can only have two kinds of relationships, none or shallow. If you are unwilling to have grace with people, you only leave yourself two types of relationships, either no relationships or shallow relationships that don't acknowledge and work through brokenness in life. Grace says people are broken and I'm going to work through it. Humility constantly reminds us that we cannot control every outcome, but that we have to keep giving them to God. That's why if you're struggling today with this part of life, that there's an outcome in the hands of a difficult, unfair person, what, what do I do if I really believe God is in control? You got to learn to pray. You got to learn to pray through those things. That's why tonight we're going to pray from 6.30 to 7.30 in here because every week that I pray, I'm always giving God some outcome that is in limbo that I'm asking him to help me trust him with. Humility says, I'm not in control, but God is. Accountability. You're accountable to God for your integrity and for your actions. Every word you say as a follower of Jesus is a swear to God because you're a follower of Jesus. You represent him. Honesty is huge. Yes has to be yes, no has to be no in every environment of life. And then you just take what comes after that. Love, 
is hard, but it is huge. You say, how can I love someone I don't trust? We ultimately love people because we trust God, not because we trust people. The, enough experience in the world will show you every person is broken and probably no one can be totally trusted but Jesus. But if you trust Jesus, you have the ability to love people, but only if your reliance is on God. You trust and rely more on God than you do on other people. Question as we wrap up today's message. Who do you need to love right now in your life? This is difficult, the way that Jesus loved you. Where do you need to trust right now in life? It's difficult that God is really in control. What do you need to finally surrender by admitting you're not really in control and you need to quit living like you are? And how can humility maybe make you less of a difficult person and more like Jesus? The thing I love about this screen is it's a picture of how Jesus loves us because the world is ultimately divided into two groups. Jesus is group one. Difficult people are group two. And you and I are difficult people that Jesus has loved because of God's sovereignty. He believed God was in control because he was willing to have grace treating us like we got it right even when we got it wrong because of his humility when he said, God, do I really have to go to the cross? I, that's not the outcome I want, but I'm willing because he was willing to be accountable for his calling and his mission because every one of his yeses was yes and his noes were no because he trusted God and loved people even when they didn't deserve his love because he relied on the power of God to raise him from the dead. See, this screen is a picture of Jesus and if you were a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, follow me, do what I do, live like I live. It's gone now, but it was there a minute ago. It's on your notes. Be who I am. What's God saying to you today? What steps do you need to take to move forward spiritually? Would you pray with me as we consider those things? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across the room. Hearts are open. Where have you lacked integrity this week, this year that you need to repent of? You've just not been honest. It's not been valuable to you to be honest and you've lacked some integrity. Would you right now just admit to God where you've lacked integrity and ask him to forgive you if you have any area what difficult person do you need to trust God with today? Someone making life really difficult for you. What difficult person do you need to say, God, I don't know why they're in my life, but I trust you. I trust that you're in control. Right now, ask God to protect your heart from maybe how they are dealing with you. And if there's one of the seven things that you need more of, pray for that specifically. You need to trust sovereignty. God's in control. You need to have grace because people are broken. You need some humility. You need to know you can't control every outcome. You need some accountability. Sometimes your words, not the words Jesus would want you to speak. You need more honesty and integrity. You need to learn to love people again, even though you've been hurt. You have to rely on God. What's the thing God's been saying to you? If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, what God is saying to you today is come into relationship. Because of Jesus, you are loved. Because of Jesus, you can be forgiven. Because of Jesus, you can have the power to repent, which means to change directions in life. And because of Jesus, you can be led to become who God created you to be. But only after you surrender your heart, your life, your hands, your will to Jesus, 
If you've never done that today and you think God brought you here so you could begin a relationship with Jesus just from your heart to heaven, not out loud, but just right where you are, pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. Heal me of my hurt. Lead me into my future. Today by faith, which means I don't understand it all, but I'm willing to believe and receive your love. Today by faith, I say yes to Jesus. I accept his forgiveness. Help me to repent and turn my life around. And help me to follow Jesus. I commit to do that. Today I want to become a Christian. Heads about and eyes are closed. If you just prayed with me in just a second, Danielle's going to be back up here and she's going to tell you how you can let us know you made a spiritual decision so we can give you some resources, pray for you, talk with you, serve you in whatever way that you need. But we want you to know we're excited for your new spiritual walk. And for those of you who are Christians, it's impossible to honor God while dishonoring others. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Let Jesus be big in your life. God, that's our prayer. Lord, that you will help us to be people who have an ethic of honesty. Because honesty honors you and honesty honors others. And even though it's difficult in some scenarios to trust, Lord, we are accountable for our integrity and our ethic of honesty. Help us to have an integrity and an ethic of honesty that lives well in the way of Jesus so that when people look at us, they see you. And God, as people's eyes are attracted to the integrity and honesty of Jesus in us, may their hearts be connected to the Savior that lives inside of us. Give us impact, even with difficult people, as we seek to live and love like Jesus. That's our prayer. And God, we pray you'll help us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.